Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're in the book of 2 Thessalonians and focusing on some important truths about when Jesus comes again. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. And welcome back, my friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Got my Buffalo Ridge Baptist Church mug today. I can't tell you how many uh, church mugs I have from being at different churches throughout the year, but I love getting them. I, I sure do. And so to my friends at Buffalo Ridge, thank God for you. Hope you're having a great day if you're listening. And thank you for the mug. We are in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 uh, in our Bibles today, and we're nearing the end of this great little book uh, of the Bible. Uh, next week, I'm going to give you, uh, it's the week between Christmas and New Year's, so uh, I'm, I'm actually going to give you uh, just kind of some pre-recorded Bible study for next week. I think it'll be helpful uh, because we're going to finish this book uh, this week, and then um, I don't want to start our new book until the start of, of the new year, so I'm kind of a one week off, so I'm going to figure something to do in that in that intermediary week. Uh, but it'll be helpful, so stay tuned in for sure. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter three. Let's look at verse number six uh, uh, of the uh, chapter today, where the Bible says, "Now, now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ." So, whatever the Apostle Paul is about to say here, it's kind of got like a double exclamation point on it because he's saying, first of all, we command you, and think about that. That that's the full measure of apostolic authority. Uh, we command you. Can you imagine if you said that to your family member, said that to your son, said that to your spouse, uh, said that to your church pastor, uh, I command you. That sounds really, um, uh, I mean, that that sounds, uh, that sounds almost like someone's on an ego trip, doesn't it? And yet the Apostle Paul is speaking with a full measure of apostolic authority. And obviously, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So that's a strong exclamation point. But then he says, I command you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's even another exclamatory factor, isn't it? Because he's saying, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, not by my authority, uh, not not, not in my name, but I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's kind of like saying, stop in the name of the law. In other words, I, 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 I'm not asking you to stop because I have any authority as a citizen of the United States, but in the name of the law, stop, right? So there's a higher uh, presiding authority. That's what, that's what the Apostle Paul is driving at here. So we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch the command, verse 6, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. So, wow, we command you to withdraw from certain brothers. So a brother here is another believer. So what is Paul saying in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? He's saying there are times strategically when we have to willingly and volitionally separate ourselves from other believers. Wow. So when is that? And under what conditions do we make those kinds of decisions? 
Well, let's go back and kind of parse out the, the verse a little bit more carefully. I think we can answer some, some of these questions. So we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly. So whatever the criterion is here, walking disorderly, the, the withdrawal has nothing to do with personality. It has nothing to do with who I like or don't like. It has nothing to do with their social status. It has nothing to do with their gender, male or female. It has nothing to do with their ethnicity, Jew or Greek. It has nothing to do with anything other than their behavior when it comes to this term disorderly. So withdraw yourself from every brother that behaves disorderly. So what does disorderly mean and why is this such a strong command that Paul is issuing? Okay, so those two questions. First of all, what does disorderly mean? Well, look back at what it says in verse 6. That you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly. So think about that. This is his set behavior. It's not that somebody has done one thing wrong or this person had a bad day. No, this is a, a, a habit of disobedience a habit of disorderliness. He walketh. It's a present tense verb that this is continuous action. This is what he habitually does, that he walketh disorderly. And then watch the explanation and not after the tradition which he received of us. So remember a couple uh, days ago, we talked about good tradition and bad tradition. And when tradition is based upon the opinions of men uh, the preferences of people, uh, then those are bad traditions. But when opinion, when traditions rather are based upon the veracity of God's word, and the tradition is simply an expression of the obedience to the word of God, then that is a good tradition. That's the way by which the church can march on. So what's the Apostle Paul saying? The Apostle Paul is saying is when people are living a known and rebellious lifestyle, that repudiates what they know the Word of God to say, what they know the leadership in the church to teach, uh, what they know has become the way by which the Word of God ought to be followed, then the Bible says then you need to withdraw from them. So why? What, what would be the reason for such withdrawal? Well, I, I think there's two reasons. First of all, you withdraw from people that are habitually disobeying the truth, uh, going against the tradition of the church, the obedience of the church, like, I'm, you know, I don't think we ought to do that. I don't think we ought to have to, uh, uh, I, I don't think we ought to have, I, I don't think we ought to have to, I think the service is too long or we pray too much or communion doesn't matter or um, I'm going to live in known and open rebellious sin. I don't care what the church thinks about it. What, what are they doing? They're behaving disorderly. So when a person is behaving disorderly, the implication is they've been warned. The implication is uh, they have been, the process by which Matthew 18 unfolds has been uh, inaugurated. Remember, the Apostle Paul already spoke about this issue back in 1 Thessalonians 4. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, he called it their unruly, people that are just unwilling to to obey the God-given authority of the local church. Now, the Bible says, when, the Bible says, so when they're unwilling to do that, 
then you must withdraw yourself from them. So they're, withdraw yourselves, that's a corporate withdrawal. So in, in, in essence, it's saying that they can no longer participate in the, 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 the life of the church and the, the, the progress and program of the church. Why? Because they have made it clear that they are not going to follow God and they are not going to follow the teaching of God as codified in the local church. So that's a, that's a strong thing. So again, what reason then should we withdraw ourselves? I think twofold. First of all, when we associate with people who are rebellious, who are cynical, who are critical, who have no desire to follow God, who have heard the truth but don't want to obey it, uh, they know what the, the program of the church is, they don't want to follow it, and they're just going to do their own thing, do their own way. They don't care what you think. Now, if we're not careful, if we culture friendships with people like that, then those evil communications, as Paul taught the Corinthians, can corrupt good manners, right? He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So there is a very practical benefit to withdrawal in the sense that uh, this person is no longer an influencer in my life. And we've got to guard those influences, right? We've got to guard those friendships. So there's a very practical reason for withdrawing. But then uh, a second reason is uh, a res restorative reason. And that is that part of church discipline is when people are living a known outward, obvious rebellion, then they need to be dealt with in the local church, church discipline, but the point there is not to say, ha ha, we got you, or good riddance, bad rubbish, or out the back door, we're locking it. That's not the point. The point is that even when we get to that unpalatable place in local church where we have to withdraw a person from mem membership, where we have to, in that sense, uh, church discipline them out of the assembly, the purpose is always the same. And the purpose is that we want to restore them that this season in their life where they've been, uh, that they don't have the fellowship and benefit of the local church family would cause them to want to run back to God and run back to the local church, that there's a restorative benefit. Even when the Apostle Paul talked to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he said, hey, these, um, these false teachers like uh, Alexander and, and Hymenaeus and these others, Deliver unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. In other words, the term deliver unto Satan meant you need to excommunicate them from the church fellowship so for the purpose of that they would see, that they would see that this is a level of discipline where hopefully they'll see the error of their ways and that they'll see that they're doing damage to the church and that they'll come back with a spirit of humility and repentance. We find a very similar th similar thing happen in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Remember that man that was committing egregious sin with his stepmother and the Corinthian church didn't seem to be doing anything about it? The Apostle Paul said, this is shameful. And you ought to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day uh, of Jesus Christ, the day of redemption. What's the point? The point is we can't lose our salvation but when we rebel, we can lose our church membership. Uh, we can be disfellowshipped in that sense. But the point here is that a person may learn. 
and may see that it's not worth it to be out there. There's safety. There is security. There is uh, there is satisfaction and blessing within the, the church family. And so as churches, we need to have you know, good resolve uh, to be able to deal with issues uh, with individual church members. And when people have decided, I know the truth, I don't care, I'm going to live the way I want to live, uh, I don't care what reputation this brings to the body of Christ, to Christ himself, I'm just going to... And the Bible makes it very clear that we must withdraw. I know that's uh, just a, a couple minutes worth of a, lar- a much larger subject on church discipline, but I hope what I said today made sense. I hope it maybe stirred a little bit in your own thinking. And if you are uh, in a local church where this kind of rebellion is pervasive, uh, then have that talk with your pastor or with church leaders. If you Uh, are this kind of person, just living disorderly. Let me just implore you, get right with the Lord. Come back to the, the unity of the assembly. Come back to a place of submission and let God bless your life once again. So I hope that helps uh, today. We're going to jump into, only covered one verse today, but we're going to cover, start in verse number seven, uh, next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.